right, listeners, welcome back to Not Just a Phase. Today I'm talking with Silenus from Long Island, New York. This is a band that is pushing metallic hardcore to new extremes. It's truly impressive that a band can be this heavy and evil while still remaining catchy and melodic. Not to mention their music video and art aesthetic in general is just pure nightmare fodder. <laughs> the EP, The Garden is Burning, dropped this February 2021. And honestly, you're not going to hear anything even half as sinister as this shit. So check it out. Welcome to the show, Long Island's finest metallic hardcore act, Silenus. Guys, thanks so much for coming on the show today. How you doing? All right. Thank you very much for having us. Doing great. Of course, man. No, it's a pleasure for sure. Big fan. Uh, for the listeners, can I get you guys to start off? Please just state your name and what role it is you play in Silenus. Sure. My name is Joshua Bornwell, and I play guitar in Silenus. And my name is Benjamin Bormwell. I play drums and occasionally do the samples and the noise that you hear recorded on the tracks. Cool. I was going to ask about that. Uh, I guess I'll just jump right into that. Uh, how do you guys do that live and how do you do that in general? Do you have like a sample keyboard or what? So what we do live is Ben has a Roland sample pad with about, I think it has about 12 or six pads and then i have a boss two pedal sample pad so between tracks ben and i bounce and forth between 
he hits a sample, I stomp on a sample, like for promise, for an example. That breakdown has a glass shattering effect right at the breakdown. That would be a sample that I do because it's on a downbeat and Ben's doing two crashes um, on the sample. So that's how we would usually do it live. It would be like a back and forth between my brother and I. As long as the studio goes, um, most I would say 95% of the samples that we have on the uh, on the albums are all recorded ourselves. So a lot of the uh, the strings and like the metallic bowing that you hear on the garden is um, is a dulcimer that I that um that we've acquired. It's a, it's like this really strange antique handmade dulcimer that we bow and like mic'd it all up when we were recording with Evan, but um. It, the samples all vary from all different sources, all different materials and stuff like that. So we try and keep it interesting. That is very interesting. I'm not going to pretend I know. What's a dulcimer? It's weird. It's like a, it's like a string percussion it. instrument. Um, yeah, I'm not going to call that. It's, a, it's a, like a, it's a hammer dulcimer. So it's kind of like a, uh, it's a very odd instrument, but um, it comes with mallets and you hit it and it's kind of like a piano. But um, cool. It's a percussive instrument you lay it in your lap, but if you like get a violin bow and you like bow it just right, it makes these harrowing sounds. It makes some pretty cool um, atmospheric sounds. That's I really, really cool. like, yeah, especially especially the dulcimer that we used on this album. It came from a family friend. Um, our cousin actually he said that he found it in a like dying woman's house, and it was handcrafted from Germany. And it just sounds haunting. I was actually going to be a smart ass and be like, is that fucking thing haunted? Because it sounds evil. Probably. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. So you're making, you're making your own samples very DIY and still able to play them live. Yes. That's pretty fucking cool. Cool, man. Did you guys, uh, I, I normally ask, but I just got too excited there. Did you guys check out the show before agreeing to actually come on and chat with us? Or Yeah, yes. I listened to uh, Joey's podcast and heard him talk about Koyo and it was a it was a really good interesting chat I like hearing about um Joey's background because I remember when I was a kid going to shows and Joey was playing in like you know earlier bands or he was going to shows and I remember him like just going nuts I've gotten clocked in the head a couple of times by Joey when I was smaller yeah you know, he's it's a it's he's a cool guy. So it was cool listening to that. He's a really good friend of ours, and you know, he's helped us out tremendously. And um, with stuff like this, like helping us out to get out on here. But um, yeah, you know, just knowing Joey for probably about like eight years, you know, just like hearing him talk is always fun. I love hearing like the Stony Brook lore about that entire group of people. A lot of really good friends. You know, I love Span. I just love Harold Morazzo, all those guys. Cool. Yeah. No, he uh, seems like a good dude from the conversation I had with him. So that's uh, for the listeners. That's how I got introduced to this band. I was sent a very fucking disturbing music video. He's like, hey, check out my buddies. I'm like, yo, this is fucked up. <laughs> Do I want to talk about this stuff? So I want to jump right into that, I guess. Uh, that music video for The Garden is Burning is fucked up. Like I said, it's pure nightmare fodder. Most of your artwork is. Um, you want to you tell me about that? Like, did you guys... Did you guys plan that direction? What is that creepy person thing, entity running around? Like, I got a lot of questions. I don't know where to start, but just tell so, me about this video because it's fucked up. And if you're listening right now and you haven't heard this band 
or seen that video yet, turn the shit off and go look that up like right now. <laughs> it's going to fuck with you a bit. It's pretty creepy. So for the garden, um, thematically, um, we all came together to kind of not. So the video and the album are kind of uh, go hand in hand with each other. Intertwine. Yeah, they're. Uh, the woman that we have on the album art is actually is in the video in the first scene. Um, we all directed it ourselves through um, my brother and I's, I would call it a collective, collective 8498, where we do music videos and we do graphic design and all that kind of fun stuff. And when the pandemic hit, we were already in the middle of recording the album we wanted to do a music video um but since the pandemic kind of just like shut everything down like the world down everywhere uh it was literally just our band working on this video like we didn't have any extra people it, it was, was just us yeah it was entirely it was everyone in our circle collectively working together we had um our singer's girlfriend do a lot of the makeup all the foliage that you see on the album art is real twigs and stuff like that. Um, we did, yeah. The art came from our bassist Malachi. He sketched it out, and then we all came together and came out with the final product, which is it was all Josh. He did all the graphic design for the album art. And in regards to the video, um, that was that was all us. It all follows a theme. Um, uh, I guess like the best way to explain it, the whole album revolves around the theme of like man versus self. So the garden music video is shutting the outside world out and being alone with yourself and facing your own personal conflict head on. So the, uh, you know, my brother, our youngest brother, Nathaniel, played the kid going into the well. So that's like symbolism for like shutting the world out and crawling deeper into your own personal subconscious and facing your own demons and facing your own struggles head on. It's cool. It's a, it's a good message. Very artsy. I mean, some music videos are just bands rocking out and I'm not against it, but this like obviously had like, you know, messages to it and hidden yeah. shit. But who, who, how did you, who put together the image of the, the creepy, girl running around in the video like how did you get where does that come from who's who's twisted which one you fucked right up in the head that thought like let's make uh, her look like this like <laughs> the, so, um the woman in the video will yeah the one woman who's has the well in her mouth that's our uh basis friend Izel who models for the album Martin and also helped star in the video the person spinning in the field is actually Ben and we threw a dress on him and covered him in makeup and clay and paint and twigs and had him just kind of spin around in this open field. So did, like, did, did you guys do the, the makeup? Like who thought of the images for the music video? Like between the girl and Ben, like where did these, where did that visual come from? Because they look really creepy. It's kind of hard to pinpoint where the imagery like comes from directly because we all, I mean, I met John and like the members of the band, mainly John uh, at like film camp when I was really little, when my brother and I were really little actually. So 
we all connected on like bizarre horror movies. Um, and that was like 2012 when we first met. So we all kind of like, we're all kind of, the staple in our friend group is film, really. So anytime we get a chance to do a video, we try and think of it as if we were doing our own little horror movie. And, you know, so John will throw like a little idea and say, what if we had this one scene? And then Malachi would come in and say, what about this scene? And then Ben would come in and we all have all of these scenes and then we piece them together and uh, write a story. Okay, so yeah. you're all, all very artsy and all very twisted. <laughs> yeah, everyone's, everyone's pretty uh, out there in the band. Yeah, you can tell your horror film fans just uh, watching Absolutely. that music video. No doubt about it. So how did you guys all meet and form this band together? Like, how do you guys uh, all know each other? Well, we first ran into John, our singer, 
And like Josh said, it was 2012. We went to film camp and bonded over John over similar interests in music. And um, shortly after that, you know, film camp went on for about a week. And then after that, we ran back into him at, uh, at camp. And that's where we met Malachi. And we had already heard plenty of stories about Malachi, our bassist, through John. And we met Malachi through John, hung out with Malachi and John at camp, stayed in touch after that. And then along came, I'd say a few years after that, so we're in 10th grade. And then we ran into our secondary guitarist, David, at a show. And, you know, we had already been thinking about doing the band. That's right. And then David and Malachi were actually hanging out earlier. And then Malachi introduced us to David. And then that was right then the circle. That was when yeah. all of us actually physically started hanging out was after that one show. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Can you guys, uh, can you explain the band name for the listeners? Because I know not everyone's going to look it up, but it's a pretty cool definition. So the name Silenus came from, I mean, we started the band as an idea probably right after we met John. So this is 2012. Um, we've been, we've went through plenty of names, but um, I think Silenus, which is, uh, the Greek god, um, who's like, it's like one of the half man, half like animal. Like, I think he's the god of wine, which is ironic since, you know, like that's not really like one definition is a god of wine. Another definition that I read was um, a mythological like god, which is half man and half beast. Um, yeah, that's the one I got too. There's also another one that says keeper of a forest. Like or an invisible keeper of a forest. Oh, that's um, cool. There was a lot of weird definitions that we found when we were creating the band name, and there, it was kind of like a three-strike system where it was like, "Oh, that's a cool definition. Oh, that's cool too. That's also okay." The band's name is Silenus. <laughs> that's cool, man. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, I always start off the show asking how you guys got into punk rock. Normally, I do that like first question, but I'm not doing this whole new thing here where I just completely forget about it apparently. But uh, <laughs> I am curious, you guys said uh, before we started recording, you said you were 23. So, you know, you're yeah. only a couple of years younger than me, but uh, I'm assuming you guys started with a little bit softer music at a younger we, age. <laughs> yeah. In our house, we grew up listening to jazz first. That was the first like music that we actually were introduced to. Um, Miles Davis, Chet Baker, you know, Pamathini, records that were in the house, that's what our parents showed us. And then by the time YouTube came around, um, like there were these like local kids in my neighborhood who were making like little home videos. And I thought that it was the coolest shit in the world to begin with that you could like make a, a movie and then put it online for everybody to see. But this kid, Alex, he had, he put System of a Down in his movies. Like, I think it was like um, the breakdown in aerials as like the beginning of one of the songs. And um, I just remember being very little hearing like Serge scream his head off over distorted guitars and thinking, I've never heard anything like that, but I got to find more of what that was. <laughs> yeah. I think system was probably a lot of people's uh, first introduction to heavier music. 
for sure. I mean, especially that music video. Have you seen it? I'm sure like every like everybody has seen it, but like what aerials? Yeah, yeah. aerials video. Oh hell yeah! I saw that when I was about 10, 11. I don't I I don't know what year, but yeah, of course. That music video definitely, like watching that at a very young age, really shifted, sparked a lot of like it opened up an entire world to like creative imagery and stuff like that to us because we had never seen anything so like bizarre like that yeah to put it lightly that like really like jump-started i think our love for music videos as well i mean watching system over down really like kick-started a lot of stuff but we were also taking drum lessons at the time around like middle school and um it was just uh we went to this little shop called eastport music scene and uh which is like this small shop on long island from our neck of the woods and the owner's son noel would um he was a walking encyclopedia of heavy music, and he showed us bands like Meshuggah, Pig Destroyer, Behemoth, Dillinger, Escape Plan. So, like, he always, like, he saw that, like, we were, like, young, and we really, really liked this shit, and he would write down on, like, a post-it note stuff that we should check out, and we'd hit YouTube, and we'd, like, listen to all these bands, and then... A guru. <laughs> yeah. We had a, yeah, a miniature was. guru growing up, yeah. It was Nolan Byron. Noel mm-hmm. was behind the counter and he was always giving us stuff like to listen to. Like uh, I remember when he showed me the loathsome music video by Pig Destroyer and that blew my mind. And then our drum teacher, Byron, like I, I remember the first week of lessons, the whole, like we would do rudiments, but then he would sit and be like, all right, what else do you guys listen to? Cause like one of the first things we said was that we loved system of a down and he had church and like, a, like right after this class. So he was all in his suit, but he threw us for a loop because he was like, you boys like system. Oh, get out. And then he started screaming to the guy in the counter and then everything, you know, it just snowballed after that. Without those guys, I don't think we'd be half as knowledgeable. Yeah. Without a doubt. No. So a lot of things goes out to Noel and a lot of things goes out to Byron for shaping our young selves into these animalistic Weird. little 12-year-olds who just are super hungry for metalcore, metal, and anything that is bludgeoning. That's cool. I love, I love the origin stories, man. A lot of people, a lot of people I know, like I always ask, how'd you get into this shit? Because everyone, well, most people have a guru to some degree. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's cool. That's cool. Well, you guys mentioned, you know, you're obviously big into artsy shit, uh, you know, the horror films and stuff like that, film camp, all that. Uh, so, like, did you guys make the Spotify visuals as well? Yes. For The Garden yeah. is Burning, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. That was also, yeah. That was also um, 8498 uh, work. We took a lot of the footage that we gathered from the music video and then some footage that we had from a previous music video for the calf and threw them together. And we, I had a lot of fun working on those because you could, like, they only run for a couple of seconds, the visuals. So to kind of make something that loops really nice, but also is, it matches the tone of the song. It's fun doing stuff like that. Yeah, they're equally as disturbing as the music video, just not as long as, and intense, but <laughs> equally as disturbing and as flashy, like, yeah. in, in imagery. I was like, God, it's trippy, man. I tried to get the same amount of like the same dosage of fear for the video for the garden full video and just kind of compact it into like a small little clip. Yeah, I'm not a huge horror film fan like at all. I have enough uh, 
nightmare fodder in my brain at all times. I get night terrors. I sleep like shit. Um, so watching your music video, like, literally disturbed me. I was like, holy fuck, what did you send me? Like, I was, like, pissed off. I was like, that was fucked up, man. Like, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> it was late at night, too. I'm like, it's like, oh, the music was fucking great. But what the fuck was that? Like, goddamn. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll get off the visual disturbing shit. We'll get, we'll get into the music. <laughs> uh, how did you guys get hooked up with Days? Uh, that was Joey. Okay. Um, but it also, it was a mix of Joey and... 8498 because I also did the video for Shattering Man for Sanction. Yeah, it was Josh and I, um, right before the pandemic hit in around January 2020, we filmed the Shattering Man music video. It was him, so it was Josh, my brother Alex, who also helps out, um, and it was me. And the three of us did the Shattering Man music video. So we kind of like, and we've known Lumpy for years, as long, like for as long as we've been going to shows, we've known him. So we've always had like a pretty good relationship with him. And then, you know, doing the music video and then having Joey, all of this, you know, together really helped us kind of land on Days. Days kind of started after the pandemic, right? It was a little bit after that. And then... He started putting out, like he put out the Queensway records um, and he started putting out music. And then Joey kind of um, helped us hook it up with Lumpy in regards to putting out the garden, like distributing CDs and doing the posters and the shirts. It was really cool. Yeah, very grateful for, for Days for putting out, putting out the garden. Very grateful for Days, very grateful for Joey. Yeah, it's good. a cool label. Uh, I didn't know of them until I, I got introduced to your guys' stuff. I checked them out. They got a good roster. And so you guys were saying you were doing, you did a music video where you helped shoot it, and that was for Sanction? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. I didn't know that. I haven't seen it, I'll be honest, but I do, I do like that band a lot. That's cool. I'll yeah. have to check it out. You're in for a treat. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be as fucked up as your guys' stuff, cause, is it? <laughs> like, well, we directed it, so. It's okay. in the same. It's, it's not as, as colorful and <laughs> as... Um, I'd say as avant-garde as the garden music video, but it does, you know, it does have its experimental. You I love things. it. It's one of my favorite things that we've done. It's the sanction video. I'm very, very proud of how it turned out. Cool. I'm definitely going to check that out, man. I'm 
So uh, you guys, can you tell me about the recording process for The Garden is Burning? Like, where'd you guys go mixing, mastering, studio, all that stuff? Uh, we went to Evan Perino to record at his studio space. That's Shell Shock, right? Yeah, that is Shell Shock. Um, who, all right, so we had Andy Nelson at Bricktop. Uh, mix everything. Yeah. And then it was mastered by Brad at Audio Siege. Yeah, Brad Boatwright. Sorry, we're just gathering our thoughts. We wrote this down. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, cool. That's we cool. didn't want to. We didn't want to mess up names, and we didn't want to forget anybody. We so know Evan Freno. Of course, of course. It's, he, he's a great friend, but um, I like I knew that it was Andy, but I didn't remember the last name from Big Top. But I, they absolutely killed it. Um, we love going to Evan. Evan helped us out with Life Out of Balance a very long time ago. Um, 2018, 2018. It's pretty long. It feels like a lifetime ago, guys. I'll be honest. Yeah. How long ago that feels. But Evan um, really helped us out with Life Out of Balance. And having that relationship with him doing Life Out of Balance, it made the garden a lot easier and a lot more fun. Uh, just because he knows our style. He knows the way we think and how we want to execute these tracks. And he was just a great help throughout the entire recording process. And it was just honestly like some of my favorite memories of 2020 were just in the studio hashing this out. It was a lot of fun. How'd that go, how'd that go for the studio? Did you guys have to like keep your distance and all that? What? Yeah, we, we played it very safe. In the beginning, like when we first kind of started, it was like, did we start in March or was that January where we were demoing and then, well, Everything kind of started to fall to shit right around March, right into April. And that's when we were starting to go into the studio. The first right. week wasn't any like mandated, hey, stay the fuck away from each other. The world is done for right now. It wasn't any of that. But, but it was very chopped up. Like we all kept our distance. We all carried like hand sanitizer, Kleenex wipes, masks, all of that. We were loaded up with you know, CDC ammunition, ammunition and shit like that. But um, it was nerve wracking. It, it was a little bit, but, you know, we played it very safe. And, you know, like there were breaks in, in between days of recording just so that like we made sure that like no one was like getting sick or anything that like that. We played it as safe as possible because we didn't want to make anyone sick or, you know, kind of like push this onto being longer than it needed to be so we, yeah, we tried nobody, to play. nobody knew what was going on yeah, yeah was for in. sure for sure no, I'm, I'm fucking sick of talking about it i'm just curious because i mean it's a historical moment absolutely time for everything especially musicians because like everything it's fuck everything had to be different to a huge degree so i was just curious like how'd that go down i guess i gotta ask even though i'm yeah, quite over, i'm quite tired of talking about it in general but <laughs> i was second. curious so i gotta ask but yeah so sorry go on it definitely was a little weird because yeah. like you know, all the, like we all have our own personal anxieties when it comes to getting a project finished. But um, when you add, you know, a pandemic on top of everything, it just, uh, it flustered the, t uh, the team a little bit more because it was, it was just very bizarre on, uh, man, I am getting the word. Uncertain. There you go. Thanks, man. No very uncertain bizarre time <laughs> yeah well, the reason i mainly asked how it was because like 
you guys dropped this at like such a shit time to be honest like it was in the yeah. middle of all this chaos um you know it was it was freshly new into the world discovering how we're going to handle this bullshit um and I, I i checked the new breed podcast interview that you guys did and you said you put the ep out kind of like as a feeler so from that can i assume that there is more material than just these four tracks or we're always working on new material um okay. this like i would describe it is a feeler it's definitely like you know what we wanted life out of balance to sound like but we didn't we didn't necessarily have the resources um and us being you know josh and i being freshly 20 um actually even we recorded it before we even turned 20 so we were like 19 when we recorded life out of balance so it was it was definitely new all the tracks before life out of balance we recorded ourselves so working with someone else was definitely a brand new thing to all of us so um i would ex i would express the garden to be definitely exactly how we want to sound so this is like kind of like a milestone coming of age record um we do currently we are working on new stuff we're writing but we do want to breathe some life into these tracks now that the pandemic is at the tail end of its existence uh you know so we do we want to really give these songs justice live and then you know once we're done doing it because we tore it off of life out of bounds for like three years like we kept playing those tracks we're not going to tour the garden for three years you know we're going to hop right to you know brewing some new stuff up and we have you know some stuff like kind of like in the works right now but you know we do want to breathe some new life into into these tracks because we're all very proud of of how they came out yeah mm -hmm. but to to summarize that yes we have some stuff that we're <laughs> that's we're good cooking. that's good yeah, I could tell from Life Out of Balance to The Garden is Burning. Uh, the, the sound quality was a lot better. The style got a little heavier. Um, but I got to say, like, the calf, the ending breakdown lead there, it just permanently dug into my brain. It's a great track. <laughs> it's a cool was, ending. That was the first track. We, we actually started writing Life Out of Balance in no. 2016. Yeah, we started filming. Not filming. We started recording it like after that but we started writing it in like the tail end of 2016 and that was the first thing that we came up with was the was cat. that breakdown that was the, like, literally the first thing that we wrote for that record oh, so that's a staple then eh good yeah that's, oh, that's really a is. time capsule of a piece is the cat
Curious, what fucking tuning are you guys in? Like C, B, maybe? It's a, like, A. Fuck. It's like it's dumb heavy. I'm like, I'm not that good by picking shit out by ear, but I knew it was gonna be low, so I had to ask. No, we we love, we love that tuning because uh, you know some of our favorite bands are tuned in A. I mean, we love Sun, we love Zababa. I think I think all of us can say that we like Zababa a lot more than you know. Like, I love Sun. Yeah. I mean, like, John and I. Uh, actually went to go see Sun at the Knockdown Center, and I—that's one of my favorite memories with him because he was like, "Dude, we gotta go." And when we actually went, um, just the fog. It was a fantastic show, and I love the Knockdown Center as well. Like that space is great. Yeah. But yeah, tune in, drop A. Fucking uh, A. Yeah. Fucking A. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Canadian. Fucking A. <laughs> Fucking A. Well, uh, I think the lowest I've played in is B. Uh, I played bass in bands, and it sucked on the strings, I thought, anyways. So I don't know. <laughs> you guys must have some good strings to keep it that low. Oh, yeah. When we were little, it was so difficult to keep everything in tune because, you know, we had, like, maybe $130 guitars and just, like, you know, six-hour strings, and we're like, all right. not You know, yeah. nothing was set up. Nothing was, like. Uh, that was me. Yeah. 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 You know, you live and you learn. <laughs> you guys hoping for vinyl pressing of any of uh, the material? We maybe some new had, stuff? For some new stuff, maybe. We had a vinyl pressing of Life Out of Balance, but those have been gone for quite some time. We might Actually, we might have a few Life Out of Balance records left over, and by a few, maybe like five or six. I mean, we're, we're just probably going to have to like look around for them. But um, hopefully we can get a garden pressing a vinyl because I would love, you know, to kind of like hold. Oh, me too. Yeah. To hold that record yeah. in, my, in my hand. Cause that, oh, you know, we put a lot into like the album art and I think it would just look like that. <laughs> I was going to say, I want the art too. I want that yeah. physical. That looks sick. So uh, shows are slowly coming back. As you guys said, it's kind of in the tail end of the situation. Hopefully it keeps going more towards the tail end. Uh, you guys got anything booked? You hitting stages again or? We got a show with Sanction, uh, Vatican, Queensway. Oh, that's a heavy lineup. Yeah, that's going to be happening October. Oh, yeah, Foreign Hands as well, October 10th at Shakers. Cool. going to be a good one. Is that the, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's the first show back? Yes. That's ours, our first show back. Yes, that's correct. That's cool. It's going to be a lot of fun. All friends, a lot of really good people playing. Um, after that, we're in the works of some stuff. We're just kind of like figuring out what we're going to do. We have some stuff on paper that we're uh, conceptualizing, but um, we're hopefully to, hoping to be playing a lot more because we've all been itching to For play sure. live. We've all been itching to just perform because it's been way too long since we played. The last show that we played, we played with Sanction. It's actually really cool that the last show that we played <laughs> was with Sanction and our first show back is going to be with Sanction as well. We played with them at the Kingsland in February of 2020. I think it was Valentine's Day. And uh, that was the last we had to stay. Yeah, shout out to Sanction. They fucking rip. Um, did, you guys, did you guys get a chance to play The Garden is Burning with them on that show then? Or like, have you played this live yet? We, we played the... 
title track live. Um, we went on tour in vain. Yeah, when when we did the 2019 tour, we played the title track, "The Garden Is Burning," on that tour, but that was it. Nothing Before else. it was recorded, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So you guys haven't played any of this no nope. material that dropped and i put new in quotations because it dropped like a couple months ago now yeah you haven't we... played any of it except the title track live not not, not to new people nope that's fucking crazy that's gonna go hard live that's cool very excited for it well, that's crazy man that's fucked up i know um, <laughs> very excited to play these tracks live because you know it's definitely like it's definitely the most we've like working on these tracks like this has like this came from all of us this came from john malika david josh and i this is all a hundred percent unapologetically ourselves and same goes with life out of balance but this is like a, a more mature a lot more focused a lot more personal yeah oh, this is definitely a more personal record i mean life out of balance is more about like man versus environment and the garden is about is man versus self um so this is definitely a lot more personal than Life Out of Balance. Life Out of Balance explored a lot more global themes. Um, whereas this is basically, you know, personal. Very, yeah, this is all us. It's like, you know, yeah, that's the narrative. Mm -hmm. It's cool. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun to play these tracks live. So we're going to reminisce here because you guys said you did like a three-year tour for, for, uh, for well, the past there. What's what's been your favorite like tour memory together as a band so far? Oh man, that's a good question. Thank you. I wrote it myself. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm a fucking cheese ball. I'm sorry. No, I love it. Um, what's yours? I have to say that like my favorite tour that we've been on, tour um, memory or tour memory. Um, There are chock full of memories. We um, we were lucky enough to go on tour with Vane. Yeah, you gotta pick one memory. In October, we played with Vane and Higher Power, and just, there are so many fantastic memories. Um, just within that alone, um, I think I have to go with, you know, we did a West Coast tour, but we drove to California. So that entire like four day drive is like embedded in my head. Um, and we drove down, we cut through Texas and then drove through Arizona and it was like 108 degrees outside and the Ooh. real, like 115. Oh it was like, and the van had no AC. So we were just, <laughs> I think that, I think that has to. That's your good memory? Yeah. <laughs> Sweating to death in the van? <laughs> it's just what comes to mind. It's because like when I yeah. think of and I think of this four-day drive and in this van with no AC and changing the oil in a guitar center parking lot and just like all these crazy things like the West Coast tour comes to mind I mean I think our my favorite show that we've ever played came off of the West Coast tour and that's when we played San Jose in the Peace and Justice Center and that's where that picture came from where with Josh and it covered in blood um, yeah Nick my head open and um, more than I thought it was going to, and uh, just my whole guitar was like swift in blood. How did, I was gonna ask, how'd you get the cut? Um, did you, like, get kind of, 
Could you like do a wrestling kind neck? Of a or? Funny story. It's kind of like uh, like a little wrestling tactic. Yeah, I know it. Blading. Yeah. I'm a big wrestling fan. <laughs> it's literally like blading. Uh, we usually do it during the breaking wheel because the lyric is cut off my head. And we don't do it a lot. Um, I think the first time we did do it was in Oneonta in like 2017 in like this basement. And we played the breaking wheel. This was before Life Out of Balance was recorded. We just had the tracks and we played them live. And Josh did it for the first time in like this, in probably a room that's like the size of the room that I'm in right now. It was so small. And he like took the, he slipped his head open. I was then, way too amped. And every time, yeah, I don't, <laughs> it every was, time I do it, I'm way too amped and I go way too deep. And it's like a, uh, well, now we got to glue Josh's head together again. Fuck. So it, it was a showmanship shock value thing, but you got, you got too hyped and it got a little out of hand. Is that what we're talking yeah. about? Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. But all the pictures are just look crazy. Like, yeah, that's like when someone sees that, they're just like, I mean, it was our first show in San Jose. We needed to give them a good one. You know what I mean? Yeah, we definitely got to bring it. Yeah. Yeah. Joe for the day. That's, get awesome. there. that's my favorite tour memory is Peace and Justice Center. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Besides, like, I mean, I can go on and on about the Vane tour. That is definitely, like, my favorite tour. But if I have to narrow it down to one memory, I'd say the Peace and Justice Center in San Jose is my favorite tour memory. Just, pl- just playing that, that entire show was fantastic. Cool, man. That's good. That's cool stuff. So uh, who would you guys, like, who would you kill to see do a reunion show? Any band you could think of. Nabs. Yeah. Um, that was quick. You didn't even like think about that. I I would I would have to agree with Josh. I mean, uh, now is a band from Little Rock, Arkansas that I used to listen to growing up. And they were this they were themselves. It's very hard to pigeonhole nouns into a style of music. They're very emo based, but just I can't find a band that sounds remotely similar to them. And the two albums that they released, um, I hold very close to my heart and I would love, I never got a chance to see them live because when they were playing, I was probably in 10th, 11th grade. Yeah. And they were, they're from the Midwest. They were playing nowhere near New York. So I would, you know, I couldn't get on a plane and fly out there, but um, I would love to see, like, I think seeing them, play live would be fantastic if someone were to you know resurrect mark linkus from the dead due to a you know like sparkle horse i would love to see sparkle horse play live but uh i don't think that's ever gonna happen uh no he's dead he's been dead for 11 years uh but um i used to hate nouns because i didn't get it yeah and you used to play it all the time but the older i got (laughs) um the more and more i fell head over heels in love with like i'm in love with their discography still i think it's a fantastic album it's unbeatable um but we never got to see them live when we're like you know really really into them i'm still big into them so that's why it was like a pretty fast answer because i'm still waiting no shit i'll have to check them out yeah that was so quick that like i figured you were listening to them like still recently which is which is great because i was gonna ask like what are you guys listening to a lot of lately I mean, obviously, you know, some of your local bands and yeah, people you'll be playing with again, but yeah, like, outside of that, what are you guys repping in your free time? 
we're always listening to a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, same. Yeah, for me, what I've been listening to, um, I want to say, in like heavier senses, the Living Weapon EP that just dropped, I really like. Um, but I'm just looking at Spotify history right there. What are you? (laughs) I have I have a few things written down that we both. Oh, um, okay, yeah. Uh, the Living Weapon EP is is flawless. I love um, that. Much love to Jonathan, Jeremy, uh, Nick Herman is I think one of the best drummers on Long Island. Um, he's the drummer of Vomit for He played in Separated, uh, played in Detriment as well. Just fantastic fucking drummer. I mean, and he is off the map on that on that EP. He fucking kills it. Uh, I love the Nikoyo EP. I, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. No, you so know. Good. It's so good. I mean, just, just knowing Joey and knowing like Joey's past bands and like just, there's so much lore to Koyo and just like hearing Joey, Harold, and Spanos playing a band is just nothing short of a dream. Like I love, I love that whole Sony Brook crew and I love Koyo and I, I love they all float. Um, but besides that, I mean. Andy Stott. Yeah, Andy Stott. Um, Andy's I, I, what, sorry? Andy Stott. He's a, like, uh, I love it. He's like a dark, minimal electronic artist. But he has an album called Faith in Strangers that's one of my, like, top five favorite albums ever. Um, so I'm always listening to that. I really like, uh, in, like, electronic world, Public Memory. Public Memory is so fucking um, Have you ever oh. checked that I don't mess with any of the electronic stuff. Uh, I I keep trying, like I keep going back to it. And I think I'm just an old man because I've always been like, fuck this stuff. It's terrible. But I do, I will check it out. I promise. I'm going to look into all these bands that you've mentioned that I haven't heard. I kind of like, do you know Massive Attack? I know the name. I I don't know. I, I might even know their work if you put it on, but like I can't off the top of my head now. Yeah, well, public memory, like really like, it's kind of like it's for me. It reminds me of when I was when I first started listening to like that tr- like mezzanine when I was little, because while we were getting into um, like hardcore and punk and industrial and all that crazy stuff, it also kind of opened the door to like trip hop and like weird electronic as well, like drum and bass and a lot. Like and for me, it opened up the door to like a lot of alternative. I love. Because it went from like, oh, you know, this metal stuff is like really cool. This hardcore stuff is really cool. Whoa, Nine Inch Nails. And yeah. then it kind of like Nine Inch Nails, God Apex God. Twin, yeah. Massive Attack. And then it just got weirder and weirder and weirder. Speaking yeah. of Apex Twin, I think, oh, yeah. when uh, That's another story yeah, for another time. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. He's a kid in my middle school who got hit by a train because he was listening to the Richard Jesus. Dean Jesus. I'm sorry, what? Say that again. He got hit by a train? Got hit by a train. He was, oh he God. liked, yeah, he liked System of a Down when we were in middle he didn't school. Die. As well. he, yeah, he didn't die. Oh, fuck. Uh, okay, that's even weirder. Okay, you got, yeah, go on, go on. He was just out of school for a really long time. And then when he came <laughs> back, it was like, dude. <laughs> How the fuck? 
how the fuck does someone get hit by a train? Not he was like, yeah, I got hit. He was like, I got hit by a train. We were like, what? He was like, yeah, dude. I was listening to the Richard D. James album by Aphex Twin, and I heard a train horn, and I was like, that's not in the album. And I turned around, and there was this big fucking train, dude. And I jumped out of the way and hit my, it like, hit his legs, and he like spun like a fucking Beyblade into a tree. <laughs> like a Beyblade. For, for those of you who are way too young to know what a Beyblade is, you might want to Google that because that's a hell of a visual to picture somebody spinning. <laughs> I'm like, I'm super glad he's okay, but I guess the moral of the story is Apex Twins a fucking slippery slope, eh? Well, I, what I thought was, damn, this is a crazy fucking band to get hit by a train to. Yeah, no one gets hit by a train to Shania Twain or anything like that, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> at least i hope not yeah. um that's fucked up that's that's a cool story man thanks for sharing that That dude's okay. Shout out to that dude. Yeah, shout out Eric. Shout from, out Eric. Merch's middle school. Don't remember your last name. <laughs> What's up, bro? You, I hope you're good. You think he's listening? <laughs> oh, I would hope so. I would probably. Yeah, we got we got so many fans at this point. It's just crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. That's fucking so stupid. Um, <laughs> my one of my favorite questions that usually gets a laugh. But I don't know if it's gonna top this. Uh, that story anyways like what do you guys listen to that could be considered cringy embarrassing or like what's a guilty pleasure for you or could be considered one by others definitely considered by others because like we don't really have like guilty pleasures but if i was to pick one that would be considered like oh you listen to that i wouldn't expect you to listen to that you know, like one of those. I fucking love Passion Pit. I love Passion Pit, especially the album Manners. It's like this electronic, like. Oh, okay. That's why I don't it, know who this is. Yeah, it's like chip tune. It's kind of like I don't know. It was re- I found it when I was in high school, and it's like really, really poppy. What is chip tune? I'm thirty and old. I'm not cool anymore. I don't know well, what these crazy like, terms are. It's like it's like there's a lot of synths that sound eight bit. Sounds like and video it, game music a little oh, bit. Oh, okay, okay. 
Yeah. I did, like, um, for me, um, like everything that I listen to, I wear on my sleeve. I fucking love it. And if you don't, that's fine. I listen to it for me. I um, hear that. Yep. I fucking love like 90s, like late 90s, early 2000s, like just straight up like alternative, like Sugar Ray, uh, Blues Traveler, fucking Flies, uh, Filter. I love shit like that. Um, I eat it up. I love like even like shit outside of that. Like I love Death Cat for Cutie. Like I will never not. Oh, nice. another band, yo. Um, Keen, Keen. I fucking love hopes Keen. and fears. That album, Coldplay. Like I eat that shit up. Damien Rice. The album O by Damien Rice was the first out. I was like fucking six. Okay, yeah. So we have we have a lot of yeah. where <laughs> like the sounds come from, especially like Damien Rice because yeah. that was just straight up sad music. That uh, yeah, Damien Rice's Cannonball was like the first song that I felt like genuine, what the fuck, sadness. Like, you know, it was, it was great. But music, what is your guilty pleasure? For me? Besides like, like you know, the fucking 90s, Scooby-Doo, yeah. uh, Spooky Island shit. I What's, mean, like, I want to hear something from you. What's a guilty pleasure that I might not even know and I'm your twin brother? Okay. Um, fuck, that's difficult. Uh... I gotta say, like, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Coldplay because a lot of people just like fucking hate that band, and I don't know why. Like, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to make fun of you for that for sure. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. God, no, no. <laughs> Music is subjective, but this is why yeah. I asked the question. I mean, though. like, just listening to it growing up, like, that's never just not gonna like, like, fucking like, fix you is not. It's yeah. just never not gonna be the tightest fucking track in the world for me. Like, I love that shit. I will never stop loving that shit. Like that for me, I guess like that's like a guilty pleasure. But for me, like I will fucking get a full back Coldplay tattoo. <laughs> I will get a chest and back piece oh. in honor to Coldplay. <laughs> that yeah. fix it. That fix it music video is fix another it. music video that really got me to be like, wow, like this is really cool. What about you? Oh, yeah, I said it. I said Passion Pit, 100%. Like, I I saw Passion Pit play Manners, their 10-year anniversary, front to back. I was crying. I had a blast. I love yeah. that. I'm a sucker for that album. Yeah. yeah. Yellow by Coldplay is a banger track. I'm not going to lie love, like that. If we're talking about that that album, Sparks. For me, I think Sparks, because like, I love, like, that, like, style of, like like, that sound. To me, like hearing that growing up, hearing shit like As Tall as Lions, which is a Long Island band that's kind of like in the same vein as Coldplay, in the same vein as Keen and stuff like that. Um, just Ghost of York by As Tall as Lions, I think is just a it's phenomenal so fucking track. Um, but Trumpet. yeah, the, just like anything like that. Like any, like I even like fucking Love of Monsters and Men, like. Oh, like this that. Guy, oh, hang on. I'll say it for him because he probably forgot Mumford and Sons. Yes. Oh, I love Mumford and Sons. That's like childhood shit for me. Like I repped yes, Mumford and Sons so hard when I was a kid, but I, I'm, I guess I'm chock full of guilty pleasures and unbeknownst to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I said that maybe others could consider a guilty pleasure. Yeah, that, was a, that was a good detail because I would have been like, oh, I don't have a guilty pleasure. Yeah. But, um, I just like breaking the stereotype that punks only listen to punk music. You know what I mean? Like, 
you guys write some heavy shit and you fuck with Coldplay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I listen to like hell. Like I love uh the Sundays. And um man, I have some stuff written down for that question of, oh, what's some stuff that people might not think that you like? It's a long uh, ass list, damn. Yeah. That's <laughs> probably my longest answer yet. You're like, what do I listen yeah. to that people are gonna make fun of? Well, <laughs> Like, I'm so I'm so glad you asked. So Here's my list. Yeah, it's a scroll. <laughs> so okay, outside of uh, what could be guilty pleasures, on the counter spec or on the opposite end of the scales, uh, that's what I'm looking for. There we go. On the opposite yeah. end of the scales, what do you guys consider main influences towards the sound of silence? Okay, um, definitely. Um, at an early standpoint. Um, I love this question because it's like when we play music and when we write, we don't like, we unintentionally don't draw from other bands. Like we play what we feel, but bands that have helped us go along that tactic that have helped us like express ourselves in this chaotic mannerism is like Gaza 100%. Um, Converge, Dillinger Escape Plan, uh, Gorgira, um, Pig Destroyer. Pig Destroyer is a huge. You mentioned it a couple of times, but Pig Destroyer really, really, um, because like there was like Slipknot and there was Corn and there was like System and like you know what I mean, Mudvayne, Mudvayne, stuff like that. But then when I was in fifth grade, I heard. Natasha and Jennifer for the first time. And Natasha is a fairly lengthy song and it's just horrifying. And when I was in, like I was so fucking little when I heard those songs for the first time and I couldn't turn it off. It literally scared the shit out of me. Um, So I think that is such a huge checkpoint because the minute we like kind of delved into like the Pig Destroyer, like horror type, grindcore whatever you want to call it it's like screamo because even when blake is playing the synth in the loadsome video when i was little i looked at that and i was like what the fuck is he doing yeah exactly and And then then on that same album with heathen temple the yeah the keys just fucking (laughs) excellent excellent key impression it's funny that you mentioned slipknot um because in terms of your music video so when I was like, I don't know, fuck, 10 or 11, uh, I want to say it's like before I forget, there's I yeah. don't remember, the music video where they're in like the meat locker and shit. Oh, that's, is that, um, fuck, hang on one second. This it's literally, literally been like at least a decade since I've seen it. Okay, this could, it's either, no, it's not left behind. They were all outside. It might have been. Oh, it might be left behind. Yeah, is there a scene like, where the, Clown is picking at his brain? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that that's, was that's, it. That's, that's pretty good. Well, yeah, just during the the kids working at the meat locker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so, okay. So that music video fucked me up. I saw that when I was way too young to watch that. Because like I said, I'm not big into horror film stuff. Um, And then (laughs) I kind of got the same awkward feeling in my gut when I was watching the Garden is Burning music video. Because I was like, oh, man, I haven't felt uncomfortable watching a music video in so long. That's our scene. That's what we, that is perfect. That's what we go for. Oh, good. Yeah, you fucking ruined my night. Thanks, guys. Like, oh, we aimed for that. Good. When my brother and I were little, we were like, 
terrified and petrified of literally everything. Everything scared us to the core. And we don't even know why. Like, we'll be watching something and we would just, like someone would say like a certain phrase and it would just get under our skin. And then both of us would just be like, turn this off. There would be this weird like gut feeling. But we both take like that tactic. That fear. Yeah. Like childhood like fear that still floats around. That's the one of the main ingredients for silence because even when I was little watching like even the before I forget video for the first time, just all the masks that were hanging on like fans yeah. and stuff like that, I was my head was running at a million miles an hour. And actually in the earlier, earlier days, this is like another uh, good little footnote. My brother and I were actually like at a point in time, like too scared to click on um, like another system of a down music video. It was the Chop Suey music video because the thumbnail was Darren with his arms out, but he had all like the, the tattoo that he had or like whatever like drawing he had on him. You pointed at the, at the computer. I remember this and you went, I think they cut him open. Look at that. And then we both freaked out because I thought it was like, it's like, granted, this is like 2006 YouTube. So it was like literally like 144 or like ping. Like <laughs> we I were little. This. We I didn't. Remember. Yeah, we, we were so little. We didn't like know what the video was going to be. But our head was already like showing us like, oh, it's going to be the worst thing. Like we were already thinking of like, uh, I thought what it was, it, yeah. we were like, just we were just way too scared. And our imagination was catching up with us. And we were like, oh, man, we're oh dude they're gonna like cut his head off and they're gonna like saw his fingers off show everything you can't watch the video i got the same same vibe when i checked your thumbnail i'm like oh fuck here we go yeah (laughs) this is gonna suck (laughs) and i mean that in a a complimentary way absolutely yeah it really (laughs) is what like i know that like a lot of like i don't know when i hear like oh dude this literally like scared the shit out of me it's very satisfying for me because when i remember feeling that way when i was watching someone else's work and then i remember when i was when i was able to calm myself down after i watched something that freaked the shit out of me there would be a piece in my head that's like all right now you're gonna make something like that so it's it's definitely it comes full circle but like we only take like when people are just like yo that fucked me up or like it's like yo this was insane this ruined my night like I like part of me is just like man that sucks and then I realize that it's like I take it as a compliment it's it's in a complimentary way that it's just like that what we are doing is working I guess if you could say it like that yeah and it matched the tone of the music so well too which in general is just it's fucking like I said it's sinister it's evil it's a little creepy gives you a little edgy feeling to it just in general um greatly appreciate it cool and you know just to bring it down here from all the dark, evil, and heavy. I only got two questions left, one of them being absolutely ridiculous. But is it fair to assume your favorite tea is a Long Island iced tea? So you want to hear the uh, good story about this? Is that... um, I do. do. (laughs) So like a Long Island iced tea, if I remember correctly, that's like not actually tea. No. It's It's like alcohol and like Coca-Cola. And it's like not actually tea. So I remember when like 
I was 21 or like I actually like started drinking. I don't remember when it was, but it was like, oh man, a Long Island iced tea. Like I, that sounds good. Yeah. Like get me one of those. I think it was at like some bar in Queens or somewhere. And I took a sip out of it and I was like, like so mad because I was expecting like a nice refreshing Snapple like texture, maybe like no, Arizona. No, and like I, three I, shots I, in that I, thing. It's poison. No, yeah. it's it's literally everything. It's all yeah. like, it's if I remember. But it's become it's one like, of my favorites now. I hate to interrupt you. Yeah. I will say this, <laughs> although it may not be a tea, as of recently, it has become one of my favorite teas. <laughs> cool. I'm still not big into them, but I just had to. I mean, it's like, like for me, it's like I like when I like. I don't fucking know. I'm a whiskey guy. Like I like just I'm I'm kind of like just like a one glass is fine. Like a glass of just one thing is good. But when I'm out and I have one, it like it knocks me on my ass. But like I'm I usually have such a good time doing it. Like it's awful going down, but then once <laughs> I kick in, you're just like, all right. Man, and I, then, usually, I usually have a you know a chaser, a glass of water or something. Yeah, I gotta have like I don't know. It really depends on where I'm at. But um, yeah. Long Island iced teas are fun. They are certainly they're not, not tea. tea. They're not teas, but they're still I I like them. I sure do. Cool. And uh, I guess um, we'll wrap it up with any last uh, shout outs, causes, plugs, anything you want to talk about, bands you want to shout out. I want to shout out. I want to shout out Restless Spirit. Yes. Um, I want to shout out. Uh, as always, yeah. Tom Comerford inside. Yes. Alone and Contagion, Sanction, 8498, um, G18. Yeah, I mean, Eyeball, G18, Vomit Forth, Blessed Spirit, Days, Joey Charmante, Drew Thurs Coffee, Stony um, Brook, Stony Brook, East Marishes, maybe. Friends, family. Yep. The whole nine yards. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys, man. I, I really appreciate it. I had a fun time today. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you well. so much for having us. Yeah, no, this was a blast. Thank you guys.